How many of you, when you were younger like me, you remember bazooka gum? I remember bazooka. Remember bazooka Joe? So um, what you would do is you'd have the gum. Now, I couldn't find bazooka. I went crazy. Almost got a divorce from my wife, trying to find bazooka gum, going to every store. But I found uh, this isn't as good. I, this was okay. This is double bubble. How many like double bubble? How many like double bubble? I got a pee. Anybody want a double bubble? What? No one's raising it. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if I can make it to you, Dan. Um, so so the, if you remember the bazooka gum, you'd, you'd have the wrap. You'd open it up. And um, they would have like a little uh, comic in it. How many remember that? And you'd read the Bazooka, Bazooka Joe comic. So you'd open it up and you'd read the. And then there was also stuff that you could buy in it. Do you remember this? The, you could actually buy stuff in there. So my, I had a friend and um, he, uh, we were going to buy something out of. And, and I, I can't remember if it was like the, you could get these um, uh, binoculars that said you could see for miles with these binoculars. If you just put in 75 cents. I don't remember if it was that, but there was this other thing I remember my friend actually bought, and it was this thing to make your muscles bigger. Now, I don't know if it was from Bazooka Joe telling us that, or if it was from a, co- a comic book we're reading, but, but he, he, you know, whatever, the $1.50 or, you know, 75 cents, and then uh, $800 for shipping and handling. I can't remember what it was. And so he got it. I remember looking at it, and there's this thing like you'd wrap around your arm, and it was like these, you put batteries in it, and it was probably really safe, and it would just do these electric things like your, and it didn't work. It just, you know, we're like, we're going to get big muscles and we're going to be huge and we're going to beat up all the bullies and Bazooka Joe's going to help us do this, right? So it, it just, it was a promise that didn't come true. And how many of you ever just, there was a promise that you thought was going to come true or you bought something that just didn't deliver or maybe someone made a promise to you that they didn't fulfill it? I mean, how many know that the world is full of broken promises. Can, can we get an amen there? And, and some of you, you know, you, you may have some pretty deep wounds from some broken promises that have happened in your life. And, and, and when we, when we um, internalize broken promises, it can really affect the, the way we, we live our lives. You know, we've all, even at times we've said things that we haven't really followed through on. Maybe we've said something like, well, you know, someone tells you a secret and you say, hey, I'm not going to tell anybody. Will you promise not to tell anybody? And we just couldn't help it. Then we ended up telling somebody and we broke our promise to somebody else and not tell, tell someone. You know, we're, we're, um, we're, we're coming up on this election time and that's all you see on commercials, right? It's just, you know, all these promises that politicians are going to make, right? That we hear it all the time. We hear, you know, lower taxes and better health care and more jobs and safer streets and free college tuition and free trips to Disney World, right? We see all these things. And, and you know, we live in this world of, 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 of broken promises. But I want to tell you this morning that we have a God and we serve a God that does not break his promise, us. God is faithful to his promises. And you might be here today and you might, you may be saying, Pastor Barden, you know, maybe you're new today or maybe you've been coming for a little while or, or maybe something happened in your past and like, Hey, I kind of blame God for this. Something happened in my life and I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of blaming God. And I, my hope for you here today is that you would see God in a different light that you would see a God that doesn't break his promises to us. Maybe you had an earthly parent that broke their promise to you or a marriage that didn't turn out the way you wanted it to. 
Things that were broken can deeply wound us, but I want to just encourage you today that we have a God that you can trust. How many of you know people will let us down? People are going to let us down. They'll say things they may not hold to, and it's easy for us just to get cynical and believe that and even believe that about God himself. And so um, God, what he does through his word is he, he gives us promises to show us that he is faithful to his word and we can trust him. He's faithful to his word and we can trust him. His promises are there to comfort and strengthen us in a world of broken promises. When, when it seems like life makes no sense and when we feel like giving up and when life stinks, and um, I want you to know that we have a God that we can turn to that is faithful. Let me give you this first statement this morning. The promises of God are always going to come alive to you when life is hard and doesn't make sense. So when you go through a struggle, this is when the promises of God are going to come alive to you. The promises of God are there to give us hope in a broken world. Jesus, you know, he never promised us that life was going to be easy. Can I get an amen? Jesus said, listen, I want to give you my peace. But, but remember, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. But take heart because I've overcome the world. Jesus never promised us a perfect life. And that's what's, that's what's hard. Because I know many of you, you've gone through struggles in your life. And you're like, but I want you to know that God is fixed in our heart. Not the things that we see. Not the temporal, but the eternal. God wants to fix in your heart the hereafter, not the here now. And I think sometimes it's hard for us because we get fixed and, and, and we, we think, is this all that there is? But God, listen, through his word and through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our heart should be fixed on what is eternal. And even the apostle Paul said, listen, the, the things that we see here on earth are light and momentary. Listen, when, when, when we had our kids in diapers, it seemed like that was eternity. Are we ever going to get out of the diaper phase, right? And, and it goes quick, doesn't it? Now my kids are in college. What happened? A blink of an eye, it's over. This world is just light and momentary. God wants to fix our eyes on the eternal. And what the promises of God do is it gives us hope for the hereafter so that we can make it through the stinkiness of life. Amen. And it gives us this hope to say, I can endure because Christ endured for me. I can endure because those that have gone before me have endured. And God has laid up for us Beautiful, beautiful heaven for us to look forward to. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I just get too fixed here on this world on this earth. And I forget that there's an eternity waiting for those who have put their hope in Christ Jesus. And that's why Jesus never painted a picture perfect world for us here on earth. He says, endure. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to help you through your struggles. I'm going to give you hope and I'm going to give you peace through my promises. Let, let me just give you a couple of promises. Let me give you a couple of promises in the old Testament. King David you know, just his life was not perfect, even though he was called a man after God's own heart. He struggled. He, he was pursued for his very life. He wasn't a great father. He had an adulterous affair with Bathsheba. He, 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 he made a lot of mistakes in his life, just like you and I make a lot of mistakes in our lives. But King David um, knew the promises of God and that he would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Otherwise he would have despaired. Look at Psalms 56, three and four. It says this, but when I'm afraid, I'll put my trust in you. 
I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? There's David trusting in the promises of God. I like what Numbers 23.19 says, uh, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. He has never spoken and failed, or has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? So, so what I want us to look at today, we're in a series looking at the Holy Spirit. And I want to look at how a relationship with the Holy Spirit can change the way you live. And how it can help you, how the promise of the, and we're going to look at the promise of, we looked at the person of the Holy Spirit last week. We're looking at the promise this week. We're going to, we're going to continue and looking at, at like the, the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to get into that in the next couple of weeks. But I want to look at the promise of the Holy Spirit today and how that can change your life and how the promise of the Holy Spirit can help you endure through the trials of life. And, um, God, the gift of the Holy Spirit, um, God says is for every believer who has put their hope in Christ Jesus. And one of the promises that God has made to us is that he would send the spirit not only to live with us, but actually live within us to empower us to live out our daily living, even in the face of extreme issues and problems and turmoils. I believe that the early church, if you read through the book of Acts, was marked by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. What helped them get through tremendous persecution and trial, it was the Holy Spirit that gave them power to do what God had called them to do. I want you to see John 14, 16. Jesus says this, and listen to the promise of the Holy Spirit, and I will pray to the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you for a short time. That he may abide with you for what? Forever. Let's say that together. Forever. How long is forever? Forever. Forever. Good job. (laughs) It's forever. And and last week we we discussed that there would be no church without the Holy Spirit. And we asked a couple questions last week. One of the questions we asked is, is this. If the power of the Holy Spirit were turned off in our lives, would we or anyone else know it? Or if, the, or if the power of the Holy Spirit were turned off in our church, would we take notice or would it be business as usual? I want you to know that you can know that the power of the Holy Spirit can be an active force in your life every single day. It's not just something we think about or we read about or we learn about, but God wants you to experience the power of the Holy Spirit every single day in your life. And we can see that through the book of Acts that the early church experienced, not just knew about the Holy Spirit, but they actually experienced that presence in their life, that they knew that God was working and acting in their life. And so God does not merely want us to know about him. He also wants us to experience him. Now, uh, if there's one thing, if you've been at our church for any amount of time, Uh, most of you would know that I enjoy one thing, one thing I really enjoy to do, and that's um, crocheting. I love to crochet. No, I just can't, just seeing if you get, wouldn't mind learning how to do it. I had actually had a great grandfather that could crochet and he used to make me hats and stuff. He was an awesome guy, but um, I love to fish. Most of you know that. Now, 
the, the, you know, I, I love to fish. I, love, I like the experience of catching fish. It's just there's something about that experience that I just enjoy. Um, I like being outdoors and the sunshine and just ex- the whole the whole thing is just great for me. It's relaxing. Um, I just love uh, being out on the water and I love it. When I was a, a little boy, my uh, dad taught me how to fish um, in a pond that my grandparents had at their cottage. And so ever since I was a little boy, I've been hooked. Did you catch that? Okay, just, just seeing if you guys are awake. See what I did there? Just, just want to see if you guys. So listen. I could read about fishing. I, I could read about what it's like to be out on the water on a warm, sunny day. But how many know there's nothing better than experiencing it, than experiencing it for yourself? And before Jesus left the earth, he shared with his disciples that he would not leave them alone, that he would send someone just like him to guide them and to give them strength. And he says, you're not only going to know about the Holy Spirit, but I actually want you to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Look what Jesus says here. Luke records it for us. I love Luke because Luke was the author of Acts and uh, his gospel. He, he really is in tune to the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. You can't understand the book of Acts until you read the book of Luke. So before you read the book of Acts, read the gospel of Luke. And you'll understand the purpose and the power of the Holy Spirit because Luke really focuses in on the Holy Spirit. Luke understood the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what he, as he records Jesus' words. He says, and now I will send you the Holy Spirit just as my father, what? Promised. Promised the Holy Spirit. But he said, but stay in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with what? Power from heaven. So what's happening here is Jesus saying, listen, Jesus is getting ready to to ascend into heaven. It's after his resurrection, before his ascension. He's teaching his disciples again. He's saying, listen, this is what you're going to do. I want you to experience this power. There's a promise that's going to be fulfilled from Old Testament scriptures. It's going to be fulfilled in your life, but I want you to wait. I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to pray and just wait. So what he's telling them, that something is going to happen and your lives that will thrust you out into this world. But I want you to wait until this power has, has come upon you. So there's the instructions. So, so I want to, we might say, wait a minute. Did I hear what you said? Jesus said that the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will experience power. So what I want you to understand is you will know, not just head knowledge, but you're going to experience this in your life. Do you realize that God wants you to experience him? Not just some dead, bland, lifeless religion that, you know, we can go to church and punch the time clock in and, and do my thing and then, and then not really experience God's, uh, you know, presence in our life. The Holy Spirit is us experience God's presence in, in our lives. So God made us a promise with his followers that they would never be alone and this promise would be fulfilled by God sending us the Holy Spirit to us. That we would never be alone. That in those times that you feel alone or you feel like no one's there, God says, I'm going to send you the promise and the power of my Holy Spirit to know that I am there and you can experience God's promises even in the most difficult times of your life. How did the apostles get through the extreme problems that they got through? It was the, it was the, it was the promise and the presence of the Holy Spirit that got them through. 
So God doesn't leave us alone. He promises that his spirit would be living within us. So God doesn't want this lifeless relationship with us, but one that is alive and vibrant. And so I want you to listen to how Jesus describes the Holy Spirit and what uh, that will do in the life of his followers. So John 14, 26, listen to what he says. He says, but when the father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and, re- and will remind you everything that I've told you. He will be your teacher. He will encourage you and he will remind you of everything that I've taught you. He will complement everything that I've taught you. John fifteen twenty six. but I will send the advocate, the spirit of truth, and he will come to you from the father and will testify about me. John sixteen seven. nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So what Jesus does is he calls the Holy Spirit our helper, our advocate, or our counselor. And I want to dig into what this word actually means, because this will help you in understanding the promise of the Holy Spirit and how it, it just wants to give you power for your everyday living. The word helper in the Greek is this word parakletos. And, and the word parakletos is basically two words. You have the word para, which means to come alongside of. And so what are some para words? Well, there's, you, you know what a paralegal is. So a paralegal comes alongside a lawyer to help a lawyer. Um, how many of you uh, would want to use a parachute if you're going to go skydiving? That's important, isn't it? A parachute is important. A parachute, para, comes alongside you and helps you so you don't go splat on the ground. So you safely land on, on the ground. And, so, um, and then the word kletos uh, comes from the Greek word kaleo, which means to call. So here you have this word parakletos. So here's what it literally means. One who is called alongside. That's what it literally means. One who is called alongside, called to be within the believers, one who is called to help. The Holy Spirit is our helper, one who comes alongside of us, who's our counselor. And so the Holy Spirit can be seen in this way. It can be described in this way as our counselor, our strengthener, our comforter, our helper, our advisor, our advocate, our intercessor, our ally, and our friend. How many of you would say that's important? Those that, we vitally need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our everyday living, and that's what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus says, I will send you another, the word another means literally this, that the Holy Spirit is literally part of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will, will do and will continue what Jesus started while he was here on earth. Literally, another means another of the exact same kind. So I think we can make the mistake of believing that what happened in the early church happened then as if we were reading a history book. But I want you to realize that you can experience the promise and the power of the Holy Spirit in your lives today as the early church did then. And yes, the book of Acts does give us an account of what happened to the early church. But I want you to see what the Apostle Peter said after the Holy Spirit came on those believers 
at the day of Pentecost. And we can read about this in Acts chapter 2. And I would just encourage you just to read Acts chapter 2 on your own. It's an incredible chapter on what happened in the early church when the Holy Spirit came upon the early church. And so what Peter does is he begins to speak on the heels of this extraordinary event. So let me give you the context here. Acts chapter 2, the the church is praying and they're waiting for what Jesus told them to do. He says, go to Jerusalem. And they happen to be waiting during a time called Pentecost. It was a feast of harvest, 50 days after Passover. And so they're waiting and they're praying for whatever, for this event to happen. They're waiting to be filled with the promise of the Holy Spirit. And what happens is, Acts chapter 2 describes what happens. The Holy Spirit comes upon those believers like wind and fire. And these believers that were there had the ability through the miracle of God to speak other languages. Now, I want you to get a picture. There are people that are celebrating this feast from all over the known world. And there's multiple, multiple languages that are represented there. So this thing happens. The Holy Spirit drops a bomb on those early believers. And God gives them the gift of tongues or the gifts of other languages that they just begin to speak out. So people are standing back going, what is going on? What is this great event? And so what the listeners are hearing are these Galileans speaking their language. They're like, wait a minute, how do these people know how to speak our language? And they're seeing this miracle of God happening right before them. Now, there's some people that are looking at them and going, man, they must be snookered. They must be a little tipsy. You know, their orange juice must have been expired this morning. They may be a little, and and what Peter does at that moment, there's this huge crowd and Peter begins to speak to this crowd and said, this is exactly what God promised. And he begins to pull out Old Testament scripture of this very event that God said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. That day, the promise of the Holy Spirit was unleashed to the early church. What a beautiful day. And that's why we call it Pentecost, because it happened on the day of Pentecost or on this festival feast. And so Peter says to the onlookers, he says, you know, they're not drunk. This is the very promise that that God said to all who believed. And so what happens next is when Peter starts to preach to them, we see this addition to the church that 3,000 people believed and were added to the church on that day. I would say that's a pretty good day. Um, And so I want you to see something that's very incredible what happens here. You see the unifying of the church and the unifying of these early believers through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And really what happens here is a complete reversal of the curse on the city of Babel. And let me explain this because this is a, a neat thing for us to understand about what actually happened on the day of Pentecost. Genesis chapter 11 tells of man becoming increasingly self-sufficient and prideful because they spoke one language. Now, follow me here. They were, they were going to build this great city with a great tower, the Tower of Babel, uh, to reach to the heavens, and it would be this massive display of man's ego. And God said, okay, you want to do it on your own? I'm going to confuse your language. And actually, the word Babel means confusion. And so uh, he says, I'm going I'm to confuse your language and your language will not be the same and you will not be able to communicate with each other. Isn't that a frustrating thing when you have someone that's speaking a different language from you? I mean, I, that's the reason why I go on a missions trip to Central America. I just want to learn Spanish because it's just, you know, you pick up words here or there, but it's so nice when you hear, have an interpreter and they know the language. Um, it makes it so much easier. But what God, what God said because of their pride, he says, I'm going to confuse your language so they can't 
speak to one another. And so the people were, who were building this Tower of Babel were wanting to make a name for themselves. And so by confusing their language, they could not be unified and as powerful. But I want you to see something here. This is incredible. What happened in the early church when God poured out the Holy Spirit was just the opposite. You've got people from all over the the known world at this time descending on this festival because that's what Jews would do, whether or not you were truly Jewish or you're a proselyte to Judaism. You would come for these festivals. This is what you were to do. You've got thousands of people within the city. God gives this miracle to the Galileans who are just simple folk from 315, Wayne County, just simple folk. God pours out this miracle on them that they're able to speak this language, that the hearers could hear what God was doing through their language. And what God does, he unified them through their language, not by confusing them, but by giving them the gift to speak the language they didn't know to bring others to Jesus. Is God good? I love that. So what God does is he unifies the church through the promise and the presence of the Holy Spirit. This is the thing that's going to make the church unique and stand out from the world was this promise of the Holy Spirit to give them power, to thrust them out into a very ungodly world that wouldn't receive them very well, but through the promise and the power of the Holy Spirit, they would answer the call of God to even lay their lives down for the sake of the gospel message. And so what Peter does is he uses this opportunity to unfold to them God's plan. And so what he says to them um, in, in, in Acts 2, um, he says to those that were listening, he says, this is what you're going to do. This is how you receive this promise because it's for you. God promised this in the Old Testament. I would pour out my spirit on all flesh. So it's for you. This gift is for you. It's not for a select few. It's for everyone. And this is what Peter said to them. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin and what will happen. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is what he says. I I love this. I love this. This is so good. Everybody say this is good. Okay, this is good. Good. Ruth is with me. Good. I'm glad. He said, for the promise is for you and your children and those who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. That, this is why we are commanded to go into all the world and preach the glorious message, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and making disciples. The Holy Spirit is the vehicle that thrusts us out into all the world. Jesus says, not only are you going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, but Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. God said, listen, it doesn't stay here. The Holy Spirit is going to thrust you out into the world so they can hear my glorious message. And so this message is for all. And so when, when Peter says for those who are far off, he's speaking to everyone and those even in the future that you and me are included in what Peter was saying. 
Everyone, for those who are are far off and everyone, those who are in the future, all inclusive for you and I, that gift of the Holy Spirit is for you and I. So God's promise is to change and unite us by his spirit. So the question is, how will you know that you have this promise? How how do you know? Pastor, how, 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 how do I... How do I have the promise and the power of the Holy Spirit in my life? Um, those of you that um, like to, to sail, you have sailboats. When you're on a sailboat, you know when the wind catches your sail, don't you? I, w- I was on, I have a small little bass boat, like 14-foot bass boat. My father-in-law gave me from 1987. Got a small 20-horse Evinrude engine. Runs great. Love that little boat. I was on um, Sodus Bay, and there were some kids in, the, in these smaller, like, little sailfish sailboats. And um, one was getting ready to turn around. I'm, I'm kind of going parallel with him. And the wind caught his sailboat, and he was going faster than me. So I'm like, oh, yeah? I gunned it up. He still beat me in my little boat. I'm like, you turkey. So then I just ran him over. No, I'm just um, You know it. When that, when that wind catches your sail, you will know it. See, The Holy Spirit is what changes us. It it causes us to pray for each other, to forgive each other. It changes our attitude. It it, it causes us um, to walk in unity. And here's here's what I want to stress to you today. I think if we're not careful as believers in Jesus Christ, we need to study God's word. Uh, We need to know God's word. We need to know our doctrines. Um, Those are all important. We need to read God's word. But I want us to be careful that we, there's a missing element that we can miss in our life, and that's experiencing God through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the promise, God says, is a gift. Um, see, I grew up in church, but I didn't know God. I didn't know him. Until someone began to share the gospel and said, you know, you need Jesus and he wants to forgive your sins and he wants you to experience this new life of being born again. And I'm like, okay, I want that. And I remember coming to Christ just before um, I turned 16 years old. And then people started talking about the Holy Spirit and his promise of the Holy Spirit wants to give you power in your life and give you gift in your life to build up the church. I'm like, what's this? And I remember one time being in my bedroom and just praying this prayer. God, I just want all that you have. And if you want to bless me with the gift of your Holy Spirit to empower it, then that's what I want for my life. And I can remember kneeling at my bed. I wasn't a theologian by any means of the imagination. I was a brand new Christian. I can't tell you what happened to me that night, but I could feel the presence of God just come over my life. And the presence of the Holy Spirit just come over me. There was, there was something different about that. And God just reiterated to me, Barden, I want to do more for you than you ever imagined. What good father would keep any gifts from his children? But we have to pursue it, people. And I would just encourage you to pursue that promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life to give you power for your living. And I would just tell you, as you're alone with God, say, God, I just, I just want you to fill my life with your presence and your power. 
I want you to to rule and reign in my life. I want you to take over. I I don't want to just have this head knowledge about you, but I want to experience you each and every day in my life. And there are going to be times in your life when we read through the book of Acts, there are times that the early church just experienced this baptism of power in their life to let them do extraordinary things that they couldn't do on their own. There are going to be times in your life that you just can't do it on your own and you're going to feel this presence and this power of the Holy Spirit that's going to give you something that you could never get on your own and you're going to go, that's that, there it is. There's the promise and the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. Listen, we're going to talk more about that. I don't want to preach next week's message. We're going to talk about what does that actually look like. But listen, here's what I want to encourage you to to do today. It's just be open to the Holy Spirit. And I'm not talking, once again, I'm not talking about doing goofy things, okay? The Holy Spirit always works in unity. But I want you to be open to his presence in your life. To allow you to go up to people that you never thought you could go up to just to give you that presence to just share with people about what Jesus has done in your life or to pray for people or to have boldness in your prayers to believe God for things that you need to believe for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit can do that in your life I'm not talking just about emotionalism I'm talking about the presence of God in your life it says I want to move and minister in your life would you be open to receive this in your life And I would say, have a willing heart. Holy Spirit, do what you need to do in my life. Amen? So, you got to come the next two weeks. I'm not putting it online. Okay, just teasing. And we're going to talk about how this looks. And what I want to look at in the next two weeks is, what does it look like to be a Spirit-filled believer that's walking in the power of God? So we're going to be praying for you. I'm going to be praying for you that God would do this great work in your heart, in your life, if you've not experienced that yet for yourself. Amen? The promise is for you and your children. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to, I want to pray for you. Um, I, 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 I want us, this, this, is, this is the song we're going to sing, Spirit of the Living God. I want us to make this our prayer today. And, and just as you sing it, Sing it unto the Lord. Sing it unto the Holy Spirit. This is a great prayer to just begin to cultivate your hearts to allow the Holy Spirit to do a deeper work in your heart and life that you might experience God. Father God, we just come before you now. We thank you for the promise that that you have given us through the purpose and the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I just pray right now that our hearts would be open to say, Holy Spirit, fill me. We, we know that at salvation, you come into our lives and you fill us. And there's, a, there's the spirit that guarantees uh, one day our complete, uh, uh, our renewal in heaven where we will uh, come before you and it's a deposit reminding us that, that we are sealed in Christ Jesus. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit changes. But Lord, 
we need a continual filling of that Holy Spirit in our lives. We, we need that presence continually in our lives to do the work that you called us to do. So Lord, I pray that our hearts would be open to your filling today. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving us power and comfort to live our lives for you. And we just ask these things in Jesus' precious name. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing this unto the Lord as we close today. God bless you.